been saying it for years, there are a lot of wealthy men in the pinball hobby. Wealthy enough that they can drop $2,100 on a 24 karat gold topper for Indiana Jones and it sold out in about a half hour. I was on their website, Elite Pinball Toppers. You can see it on Canada's Pinball Podcast Facebook page. This beautiful Ark of the Covenant topper for Indiana Jones, the Bally Williams game. It's covered in 24 karat gold. It's got LEDs. It's got a smoke machine. I heard when you open up the box after spending 2100 bucks, it melts your face off, just like the real Ark of the Covenant. No, it doesn't. So they made 25 of the super limited version, and it's 2100 bucks, and they sold out. They're going to make 75 of, of, I think, the $1,300 version, and then the basic version is unlimited now look I know we're at the point now where it just seems completely crazy to so many of you out there that people would spend this kind of money on a topper and I don't care how cool toppers are and I love my toppers but you don't play a topper when you're playing pinball you are looking below the glass these are not meant to interact with gameplay even though they make these things interact with gameplay you just really can't have an amazing topper experience while you're playing a pinball machine i know stuff will be going off but only spectators will really be paying attention to that as you're playing the game it's really meant for this a topper like this a beautiful pinball topper in general it's simply meant to make the game look better when you walk up to it. When the games are off and you walk up to your pinball machine and there's the topper, that's when you really pay attention to the topper. The moment you start playing a pinball machine, you really don't get anything from the topper. I'm sorry, you're not looking up that high. You're just not. Now, Elite Pinball Toppers is smart. They've been looking at where the market's gone and I've been saying this. This is a great example of how nobody out there truly understands the amount of money that's in this hobby and no one is catering to the rich people of pinball. I mean that. Nobody is really catering to them. Nobody is making stuff that is super, super expensive, super, super limited. And when you do it, we've seen this happen just a few times with this topper, Elvira with the piece of couch, Batman SLE. Whenever anyone has dropped out into the pinball world or put into the pinball world something that has been super expensive, super limited, what happens? It sells out. Magic Girl, $16,000 for 16 machines. Without even seeing it, it sold out. These toppers, they sold out today of a $2,100 topper before even showing people pictures of the topper, right? Without even seeing it, it sold out. Now, you can go to Canada's Facebook page. I have pictures of the topper up on my Facebook page right now. It is beautiful. It is stunning. Congratulations, Bill Brandis, for getting one. I mean, I was talking to Bill tonight. He was all excited. Like, he's like, I got one. And I'm like, Bill, great, great. You know, I'm happy you got one, Bill. It's going to look beautiful on your Indiana Jones. And Elite Pinball Toppers has beat Lior to the punch with the most expensive topper. I don't know if the Hobbit topper was more than this, but now we're at this point where we're going to see $2,000 toppers. $2,000 toppers. And it got me thinking about where we're headed with pinball. And it's not where most of us are headed. Let's be honest. Most of us, the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who love pinball do not value this stuff. So let's not take something like this 
and pull it over the entire hobby because 95 or 98% of pinball fans on planet Earth would never drop $2,100 on a pinball topper. Okay, so the majority of people are of sane mind and the majority of people are making sound decisions with their money. This is a vanity play for very wealthy men who like to have everything dipped in gold and now their pinball topper is dipped in gold, literally. But it got me thinking about where we're headed with just this desire to spend a lot of money on things that are not below the glass. And I started to think about this for a minute. I was like, you know, we're really at this point now where the stuff that's really elevating these machines, the stuff that's really amplifying the prices of the pinball experience, the stuff that's making games valuable, nothing is really affecting what's below the glass with gameplay. And that is the biggest crime against pinball that's taking place right now. If you were to ask me, is that where the money is being invested. And I don't just mean by the pinball companies, I mean where the consumers are putting their money. The things they're saying they value have nothing to do with gameplay. They have nothing to do with the magic below the glass. The stuff that people are spending more money on, it's stuff like artwork, it's stuff like armor, It's stuff like toppers. It's stuff like shaker motors. It's stuff like Invisiglass. It has nothing to do with the game itself. And that, to me, is the sad part. Is that you would think, with all this money in pinball, with all these pinball fanatics who have deep pockets, the things they would value would be the stuff that makes the actual game better. But they are not valuing that stuff. And I'll tell you what Stern has done so successfully. They have got all of you, all of you out there who buy all these games sight unseen, they have brought you to this place where the stuff you value, the limited edition plaque, the Beskar armor, the different artwork, all that stuff costs them nothing. And they've been able to charge you thousands of dollars more for stuff that is pure vanity. You're not having more fun on your LE or your collector's edition or your super rare version of this or that or that because you have a different armor or topper or back glass or this or that. You're not having a different gameplay experience. And so because they've been able to do this and they've been able to get people to spend thousands more on stuff that requires zero engineering, stuff that requires zero imagination, stuff that requires zero creativity, it's stuff that can never break. It's stuff that's not very innovative. It's stuff that you don't have to file a patent for. They've been very smart in doing this. And now we are at the point, and I mean this, I found this out today. If you want to get a Godzilla LE from Stern Pinball, their distributors are already sold out. This is stupid. I I know. I know. You're like, Canada, you're an idiot. It's not sold out. It's sold out. You cannot get on a distributor list to get Keith Elwin's Godzilla right now. Every distributor you call up will tell you, I don't have room on my LE list. I don't think they're going to make 750 Godzillas. It's not Mandalorian. So if they make less than that, 
forget it. You're just not going to get it. And so that's where we're at now. And I've been reflecting a lot on this because I know that some people say I've driven pinball to this with all of my suggestions on how they should market and how they should make things more limited and more rare and more special. And they have, they've done everything I've said they should do except for one thing. They didn't make the games more special. They just wrapped them with fancy wrapping paper and everybody bought it hook, line, and sinker to the point now where Stern can sell out a game before you ever see it. They will sell out every single LE now before anyone even sees it. And when you're in a world like that, where stuff sells out before people even see it or play it, you know what that does? It makes them lazier. They know they don't have to do much work now to get your money. The less work they do, the better. They'll make more money now by putting less into these games because there's no pressure to improve what they do. Why would they? Why would they invest more in the product? Why would George Gomez raise the bomb? Why would he put more into his games when he's watching this behavior by thousands of people? This isn't just like a few hundred people. He's watching his games be gobbled up faster than they can even make them. And he's watching them sell out sight unseen. They must get into a boardroom and say, look, these games are already spoken for. So we don't need to put any money into marketing. We don't need to put any money into R&D. We don't need to do anything other than continue to do what we're doing right now. Now, ultimately, what will happen in this climate is consumers will be left holding the bag because this is a great period for Stern. It's a great period for the other manufacturers. They will sell so much of their inventory because the economy is hot, because people are spending a lot of money. But you know, and I know, in a few years, when this stuff cools down, and it's gonna cool down, what's gonna happen? What will happen to the people who have so much money in pinball machines and don't have a lot of cash flow? What will happen to the people that have all these games and they need to sell them? Are they gonna get back what they put into them? Are most people buying these games because they love them and they wanna have fun with them? Or are so many people just caught up in it? See, I don't really know. I, re I don't really know. It's gotta be a mixture of both. I think there are obviously people who buy whatever comes out next. There are those rich collectors who just tell their distributor, give me every new LE. But I think for a lot of you out there, if you're truly soul searching right now, you can't tell me that you only buy a game when you know it's good, that you only buy a game when it's a dream theme of yours. That's not the case. There is no way these games are only being absorbed through those two criterias of you know the game's awesome because we know these games like sell out before anyone even plays them. And then when it comes to a dream theme, we know that most of these are not your dream themes, yet just love pinball. And that's okay, right? I mean, sometimes I think, you know, it is okay just to love pinball where you want new pinball experiences. And that's okay. Like if you love pinball and you want new pinball experiences and you're not near a location where these new games arrive and you have to put them in your home to experience them, that's fine. That's fine. It's your money. Spend it as you see fit. But I've been a lot more reflective lately 
It's been an interesting year for Brenda and myself with baby Killian. We got him baptized yesterday. It was an amazing day. And as I think about creating a home for my family and prioritizing what's important to me and to us and to not put myself first in that priority, I start to think about, well, how much of my home that we get one day am I going to allocate to stuff that I want? versus experiences I want to do with my family and versus what is important to me. And my evolution within pinball was I always wanted to have like a rare game that not everybody had that was a unique experience because if I could only have one pinball machine in my home, I just wanted Canada's machine to be something special. That is why I bought Magic Girl and it didn't work and I moved it on because you can't own a broken Magic Girl. Now, Speaking of Magic Girl, more information to come on this, but there is a group of gentlemen over in the Netherlands that have made a working Magic Girl. And I talked to one of them for about a half hour about everything they did that went into this game. They spent two and a half years and redid like 50 mistakes that John Papaduke put into his Magic Girl. And they will tell you that that game was an utter disaster and there was just stuff in it that just didn't work. John thought he could have magnets holding the ball over plastic ramps, and if he did what he wanted to do, it would melt the ramps. And so they did 50 different changes to the game to get it more playable. It's still not a full game code-wise, but there is going to be a lot more information coming from me on this show, and they're going to share videos of their working Magic Girl to the world. And they're also, this is good news for those of you out there who have a Magic Girl, whatever they do, they're going to make 20 versions of it so others out there who have a broken Magic Girl can put the changes that they've done into their games and get them somewhat working. It will never be a fully working game. It'll never be a fully coded game, but there's at least gonna be an opportunity to lock the balls, start a multi-ball, get jackpots, and hear more of the music and some of the other stuff that was in the source code that they never put into the games when they made them with American Pinball. So that's exciting news somewhat because it's still the most beautiful pin ever. But my point being, I always wanted that rare game, that unique experience, but as time has gone on and I've played more and more pinball machines and I realize like, sure you could have a game in which there's only 80 Batman SLEs and you could spend a lot of money on that or you could just spend a third of the price and buy a regular Batman premium and just enjoy the game and not worry about it. I'm starting to feel like all this desire to have something unique and special just to flex to the community it's really pointless. It, there's no end game to it. It doesn't make any of us special. It doesn't make you more interesting. And maybe this is just a little bit of the residual effect of feeling like that other game I just bought where there's only 500. Now I'm not really excited to open it up because of all the quality issues with it. And I just start to feel like the most important thing in this hobby is so simple. It's so simple, it's, it's right in front of most of us, and most of you, this is how you engage with pinball. You just wanna play a game that is exciting, that is fun, that has moments, that move you, and that excites you. And I think when I start to see stuff like $2,100 toppers, and I see stuff like Mandalorian LEs selling for 9,200 bucks MSRP, and then people are flipping them immediately for four or $5,000 more, and that game is still the same, 
game's not worth $5,000 more, but it is because people just need to have something new. It just makes me sad because I think about, well, clearly Stern could have made a Mandalorian in which they put a couple thousand dollars more into the game and we still would have bought it. Let me repeat that. If Stern put $2,000 more into the game and charged us $2,000 more, if every Mandalorian was $11,200, if it had $2,000 more goodies in it, they still would have sold every one. And see, all this money, it's like floating around the pinball industry. It's floating from like rich collectors to rich collectors. It's floating from like rich collectors to Stern's like accounting department. But the money's not going to the engineering department. And none of the money, none of that extra capital is going to making the games better. And that I think is the biggest problem in pinball these days is that we're chasing after stuff that doesn't have any impact on the games themselves. It doesn't have any impact on gameplay. It's not pushing the envelope at all in terms of what could be under the glass. You know, and I'm part of the problem is I've been one of the podcasters who's always been celebrating how easy it would be for these pinball companies to sell $20,000 versions, $15,000 versions of their games without even having to add much more to the game. We're just at the point now where Stern could easily make an SLE of every single game and charge $20,000 for it and make 50 SLEs of every single title and they would sell every single one. And there's just that much money in the hobby. But it's a shame because the money's not going to making the games any better. Now, speaking about making the games better, one of the two men that I do believe brought more to pinball and put more of his heart and soul and creativity into a pinball machine passed away over the weekend, and that was Yop with Dutch Pinball. Now, say what you will about Yop's business practices but the man is gone, and I know he was battling cancer for a while, so we would like to offer our condolences to Yop's family and to the Dutch Pinball family, to Barry, and everyone that knew Yop who is mourning his passing. And while I don't agree with the business practices of Yop, Barry and Yop were two men who built one of the coolest pinball machines you and I have ever seen. It's still being made, his dream lives on today, and this is all we really want in pinball. We want to see people who take a theme they love and make a world under glass that brings that theme to life in such spectacular fashion. And Dutch Pinball did it so amazingly well with The Big Lebowski. I've always said it, Barry and Yop, and Barry in particular, I think is one of the coolest designers we've ever had in pinball, and we just don't have any other games from him. So I would love to see Dutch Pinball make all of the Big Lebowski owners whole and move on to Game 2. Speaking of Game 2, do you think we're going to get a Game 2 from Deep Root? Now, I've been talking to some friends who are in on Deep Root, and they're just staying in on it. I mean, no one's bailing. I mean, most people are just like, I've waited this long. What's another 10 years? You know, it's kind of like that with Deep Root and the wait for these games. I just still don't know how they move past Raza and get to Food Truck. How do they do it? You know, every time I see these images that Iceman post of like 20 cars in the parking lot, I don't know why people don't just knock on the door and ask to see what's going on inside. 
Do I think Deep Root will eventually make these Razas? I do. I do think they're eventually going to get these games made. I think the cost to make each one is going to be tens of thousands of dollars in actual cost of all the labor, all the hours, and all the vendors, and all the stuff they have to do to make these games real. They'll never see a dime of profit on any of this. We all know that. There's just no way. Like With all the money invested in Raza, you can't just make 122. I think Deep Root's new goal is to get people their games by Pinball Expo. And I know that sounds like so far away, but it's really not. So that's my prediction is that these Razas will actually make their way into people's homes by Pinball Expo. Because I do think they're going to want to go to Expo with food truck. They have to, like, or it was all for nothing. Now, if that doesn't happen, they're just going to close doors and just the whole thing's just going to be a write-off. So it's one of those two things will occur. All right, so what else is going on in pinball? So Chicago Gaming Company is close. Cactus Canyon is right around the corner. I predict you will see Cactus Canyon Remake, if all goes according to plan, you will see the new game from CGC by the end of July. So, from what I'm hearing, this game is going to push the envelope of what they've done before over at CGC. We know the playfields are good quality. We know this game is packed with toys, and I think they're going to do a lot with the code and the LCD, and it's going to have a beautiful topper, and the topper is not going to cost you 2100 bucks. And so I think this is going to be an amazing package from CGC. I really do. When I talk to people over there, they're very excited about it. They keep telling me it's going to sell out right away. Everything's already sold out. You know, this is pinball now. Everything's already sold out. It's, it's almost like no longer interesting when stuff sells out right away. It's actually more interesting when something's a failure. And we're like, what happened? Like, how come nobody bought Hot Wheels? How come nobody bought Oktoberfest? Then it becomes something worthy of discussion it's not even worth discussing. Oh, what? wow, Mandalorian sold out in an hour. Wow, cool. It was supposed to sell out in an hour. There's nothing interesting there. So for those of you out there, if you really want to dominate the airwaves, just do something that's a failure, and we'll talk about it nonstop. I think Deep Root has like 350 pages of Deep Root on Pinside. Think about this for a minute. Look how many pages are in the Deep Root thread, and it's a failure. Look how many pages are in the P3 Multimorphic thread, and they've successfully made games over the years. I mean, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. All right, Spooky Pinball. Where is the next Spooky game? Charlie, come on. Everyone's tired of guessing. I think everyone's just reached the point now where they're just tired of guessing. I'm going to go back and say it's going to be Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street. Those are my two guesses. Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't think it's going to be Army of Darkness. Now, where is American Pinball's next game? So this is another company where David Fix has been doing interviews and he sort of set the agenda for the year. So apparently American Pinball is going to have two new titles from junior designers and then we will see a licensed theme, most likely at TPF, which will be Dennis Nordman's game. And so what do we think these games are going to be? Well, the two games I think we're going to see this year, I think we're going to see a Riot Pinball game from them. So maybe Legends of Valhalla. Then I think we're going to see a Joe Balser game from them. I think they're going to make one of Balser's like Valkyrie or Poker Run or Sherlock Holmes. I think that will be made after, or they reskinned it, but that'll be a Joe Balser design after it. 
Then we get to Dennis Nordman's game, which will be the licensed theme. Now, I still think American Pinball never should have came out in December and said how they were going to be this brand new company. And they are a brand new company, but where are the games? We are six months past the date when David Fix came out and made fun of Canada and said how American Pinball was going to be this, this, and this. Six months have passed, and they have zero new games out. And they've waited such a long time. Now they got to compete with supply chain issues. They've got to compete with Mandalorian. The timing is right. David, just get the damn game out, all right? Just get the game out. Show us what you got. Show us what you got. What I don't understand is why doesn't American Pinball make the Kingpin remake? If you've been following the Kingpin remake, it makes no sense. Those guys are making that game and it's still not made. Years have gone by. People would buy Kingpin. Now there's a little bit of controversy with this Kingpin remake because as you know, Kingpin was a game made by Capcom. Now, they are remaking the game using Bally Williams flippers and parts. So Capcom flippers feel different than Bally Williams flippers. But here's the point. Only something like eight Capcom Kingpin machines were ever made. So not that many people have ever played an original Kingpin game. 99.9% .9 of pinball people have never played an original Kingpin machine. So if you make a new Kingpin machine using new flippers or new Bally Williams mechanisms, you are not going to get a lot of people complaining that it doesn't feel right. And I saw people on Pinside trying to argue like, you, you got to maintain the integrity of the Capcom feel. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. People, get over yourselves. These aren't like numbers matching original Carol Shelby cars that were selling at auction and were trying to mislead people. It's a pinball machine in which they only made eight prototypes and they never got fully made and now they're using the most popular flippers ever used in the history of pinball. And so what if they're just changing the flipper mechs in the games? They're not changing the geometry. And I get that Gene Cunningham I get that he made sure that those Big Bang Bars were made with the right parts, okay? And guess what Big Bang Bar did to Gene Cunningham? It sent him to an early grave. The machine killed the man, basically. He basically gave up his life just to get those machines made for people. That's the toll it took on him. It's not worth it. I'd rather Gene Cunningham still be here and not do what he did with Big Bang Bar. It just wasn't worth it. All right, Mandalorian pinball machines are shipping. Stern has done it again. They do it so well, they do it every time. Mandalorian pros are making their way out into the world. I think they're going to go pro, then some premiums, then LE this time. That's what I heard, but I'm not sure. But I do know this. Stern is severely backlogged. So if you ordered a Mandalorian, you might be waiting a very long time. I've been hearing people who said when they ordered the game on day one, they are now being told like their premium and their pro will be shipping in October. October. So get ready for a long wait. And it's not just pinball. There is a ton of stuff where the supply chain issue is affecting so many industries and pinball is one of them. I think that covers everybody on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. It's always a pleasure putting on the headset and doing these shows for you. Thank you so much to everyone who contributes to the show. You're getting your special episodes of the Canada Club. If you don't know about it, ask somebody. Right now, there's not a ton of news. The dam will break. The dam will break when Spooky Pinball shows us their game.
I think it's going to happen in the next few weeks. Until then, until then, let's treat each other with respect and let's stay off a of pin side until there's real news. I see the way everybody's talking to everybody on that site lately. It is just so negative. I highly recommend you turn it off. You don't go on it that much and you just enjoy your games. Listen to the podcast you enjoy. If you bought $2,100 toppers, that's your prerogative. But I do implore all of you out there, think twice before you run and just buy games. Really think about it. Really think about, do you need more pinball machines in your life? Is that the thing that's going to make your life better? And maybe collectively one day, all of us will try to ensure that if we're going to spend more money on these pinball machines, that the money is actually going to the designers and the engineers to put more into these games. It's going to the accountants. It's going to Gary Stern's pocket. It's not going to the R&D teams over at these companies. And so much of the money that we're spending on pinball isn't going towards anything that makes these games better. And I know it's easy for me to not buy because I don't have room, but I will say when I get a house, the last thing I'm going to do when I walk into that new home with our family is say, how many pinball machines can I get into this house? It's not going to be like that. I would be happy with just three to four pinball machines that are based on my dream themes. I'll tell you right now, as of today, there are not even four dream themes of mine in pinball form. There just aren't. Give me the Matrix, give me Big Trouble in Little China, give me Akira, give me Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Phantom of the Opera. And it has to be Lloyd Webber. I want to hear Michael Crawford and Sarah Brightman in pinball form. Everybody, have a great day. If you have any comments, hit me up at canadapinball at gmail.com. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, wasn't it you?